Hey, welcome in to the Craig Houston podcast, man. Been waiting to have a great conversation talking about all things about how the market is actually shifting, what we're seeing from interest rates, and talking to you about a lot of things when it comes down to just having a conversation about how buyers should be looking at this market and how they can actually find great ways and incentives to actually take advantage of what the market is actually offering right now as we're starting to shift into a downward swing on what we're seeing interest rates are going right now and what we're seeing with home prices. So my guest today is Oscar. Oscar, introduce yourself to the audience, man. Hey, how's it going, everybody? My name is Oscar Avila. I'm actually a mortgage loan officer with a VA Choice Home Mortgage in uh, Virginia Beach. So how long have you been a lender, Oscar? Let's talk to the audience about that a little bit. I haven't been doing it for too long. I've been doing it for about uh, four months now. I just recently uh, transitioned out the military. So now I'm doing this uh, full time. That's awesome. So what made you want to become a, a, a lender? Let's talk about that for a long, as a loan officer. <laughs> okay. So about a year ago, I was still in the Navy at the time. I bought a multifamily property. I bought a duplex, um, you know, and during that process, I kind of got an interest in like personal finances and real estate. So uh, I actually reached out to the loan officer that I was working with and uh, I kind of like asked, Hey, what did you do to become a loan officer? And then uh, she told me what to do. And I kind of implemented the steps from there. And then um, about September of this year, I got I got my license and now I'm doing this full time. So that's kind of the short story of how I got into becoming a mortgage loan officer. But yeah, just I like personal finances and real estate, really. Awesome. So you have actually got into uh, into the space at a weird time, right? Where you basically seen the market be so hot the last couple of years and now you are now becoming a loan officer, helping people you know, obtain pre-qualification and qualification for these mortgages. Now, how has that that, that shift in this market uh, been um, for you in business? So, um, yeah, since the start of 2022, actually, interest rates have been rising like nonstop. And uh, recently, they kind of like cooled off and like dropped down just a little bit, you know, but um you know, it's definitely been challenging coming in, becoming a loan officer and going into this market because a lot of, you know, seasoned loan, seasoned loan officers are actually leaving the industry, even real estate agents too, which is kind of crazy. So, um, you know, I'm just keeping my head down, blinders on, and I'm just going to out here and kill it. You know, that's the goal for next year. You know, I'm actually uh, pulling some up right now that I want to share with the audience. I, I showed it on my Instagram uh, last night, but I'm going to show it here as well uh, if i can get it pulled up about what you just said about the interest rates how they have shifted so much in the last year which is so uh i think seeing the imagery of it makes give people a different uh perspective if you're watching this on the video so what we're going to do is i'm going to pull this up real quick uh just keep dropping it for some odd reason i'm gonna pull it up real quick so we can see this i'm gonna do it here so check this out Basically, as uh, Oscar was saying, is that if you're looking at interest rates, I'm going to hide ourselves real quick. So we pull this up for a screen. But you see that in the January 6th, interest rates was at 3.22. And we saw it peak twice to about 7.08 across the board. And now, according to Freddie Mac, we are sitting around as of uh, this week, last week at 6.31% on average about interest rates. So has that something that you've kind of seen that compression happened a lot in the markets that you've been kind of like trying to get your head wrapped around? Yeah. So when I first got in the industry, well, let me backtrack. When I, when I bought my home like a year ago, you know, 
rates were at 2.5%. And that's what I locked my uh, duplex at 2.5%. Oh, man, you got a good deal, <laughs> man. That's a good yeah. deal. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a killer deal. But um, yeah, so as soon as I got in the industry, that's when uh, rates were like around 5%. But then they just start, well, around 4%. And then they started going up and up and up. And I was like, wow, this is kind of crazy because um, a year ago, rates were really low and people were buying homes like like crazy. And now that rates are going, we're going up. A lot of people were cautious, cautious on how they would spend their money. You know, you know, that's really uh, some that I had a conversation uh, with a, a potential with, with a potential client. They are they're not a prospect. They are not in the market to buy just yet. They're they're trying to wrap their mind around what they want to do. So they're like in that that warm, they're not a warm lead. They're like a nurturing lead at this point in time. And they basically had a conversation of, you know, where they, they was unaware uh, because they already owned their home for a while. They are, were unaware of how home prices have shifted in the market in the last five years. Like it's so crazy when you tell somebody now what they think they, when they look at the home that they had and they're looking at a uh, upgrade of the home that they have, they don't realize the sticker shock value of it. Right. Yeah. So it's so crazy. Now you add on top of that, Interest rates going back up higher now, again, 2.5, but looking at maybe 5%, uh, it, it changes the thought process of clients at this point in time. Have you seen that as well? Yeah, I, I've definitely seen that from like, a, you know, from my inner circle because people are cautious of like buying homes because of they're, you know, they're still expensive. Um, and sellers are still in that mindset where they can get top dollar for their home. But in reality, you know, interest rates have gone up. People are more cautious how they spend their money. And then we also have, uh, you know, the news about this, like, recession that we're in. So there's a lot of, you know, I feel like the media plays a big factor in it. And it's just telling all of this news to a lot of people. And they're, they really aren't educated. So whatever happened last year, they're still like, oh, you know, home prices are should still be top dollar with in all reality it should actually be you know there, there should be a negotiation when it comes to selling homes at this point i believe i think you had a, i think you said a great point there when you said uh education is was what is what people are lacking in a lot of these scenarios that we're dealing with and the one of the things that i think people give me a hard time about and i try to be you know not just an advocate for realtors or not even in this case even lenders but i try to be an advocate for the consumer, the client to understand that prices are really not going anywhere. Like they, they, everyone imagines 2008 all over again in a lot of ways. And I have seen in certain, a lot of cases where 2008 is not even coming close. And like right now, if you really look at the charts of where we, especially Hampton Roads, if looking at Hampton Roads, how we've seen home prices go uh, at the early of 2022, we're basically back at the beginning of the year. In home and in, in median home price value, we're not below that. We have not slipped below that. We may slip a little bit beyond that, where we may go down a little bit lower, but it's not going 20, 40 percent drastically like a lot of uh financial gurus on internets and YouTubes have said that we're going to experience. What's your take on that? Yeah, so uh, talking about 2008, yeah, I have a I heard a lot of people, you know, hoping that oh, I hope like another 2008 happens and you know, home prices just crash. And uh, what I want to say is like to those people, it's my personal opinion that it's like you don't want that to happen. You know, if right. you know, home home prices crash, the whole housing market crashes, that's something that you don't want. You don't want to happen because millions and millions of people are going to suffer. 
because of that. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I think uh, the market where the Fed has gotten this right. Uh, where a lot of people give Fed Chairman Jerome Powell um, a lot of grief about a lot of the things that has taken place to actually get this soft landing that he predicted a long time ago, which is, you know, a lot of people are saying that it's getting rough. But what I will say is that we have we don't see the foreclosures at the same level that we see in 2008. Um, I think lending practices have been a whole lot tighter and a lot more stringent versus what we oh, yeah. saw ahead of 2008. So to me, I think a lot of people are getting the, the narrative uh, confused on what they think that they're going to experience. I know people thought that we was going to see 10% interest rates, 12% interest rates. I think at one point in time, we could have seen this thing get away from uh, to that level. But the way that we've seen the, the latest numbers and consumer price index things of that nature has kind of like tailored off a lot of that conversation recently. Yeah. So when you, uh, when you talk about um, how a lot of people have this common uh, conception that the mortgage industry is, you know, there's a lot of predatory actions when it, when, uh, when it comes to the mortgage industry, but in our reality it's super like hard to get your mortgage license because you have to, you know, pass your test. You have to do your class. You have to have a good credit score and you have to, you know, pass a background check. So uh, yeah. So you know, 2008, that, that's a long time ago. That's history. So now there's a lot more regulations when it comes to getting your uh, mortgage license. And uh, what a lot of people should actually, you know, take a look at is the automotive industry. I've heard that mm. there's like a lot of, you know, predatory lending when it comes to automotive in the automotive industry. And that's why we're seeing, you know, car prices, you know, $20,000, $30,000 markups because there was a lot of predatory lending that was going on in the automotive industry. You know, that's something I have not heard anyone say to me in the last year. That's really an interesting take, Oscar. Like, uh, like I guess I could see that because um, used car values have increased drastically, and now they're now they're tanking, right? If you look at the CPI yeah. data, uh, new it was not even no inventory of new cars at one point in time. You couldn't even find a new car on the lot. If you did, it was only one, and it wasn't the, the model that you wanted. So I can see that too. Uh, man, that's a great take. I don't have any substance on that, but I have seen the data that suggests what you're saying is absolutely right, that you probably are getting stuck with a bad deal in automotive. And matter of fact, I saw a post last night where the average consumer now who has um, a new car in the last two years is paying about average price $600 to $700 a month on that new car. Yeah, so um, actually, I've seen that you know um, a lot when it comes to these applications that I see. You know, people have six, seven hundred dollar car payments, and wow. that's really like shocking to me that uh, wow. you know, people would take on that much debt for like a you know a depreciating asset. At one time, between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, and maybe a majority parts of twenty twenty two, you know uh, that depreciating asset would sell over list price. We get that, but that's living <clears> in an upside down world. You know, when does a depreciating asset go over 20K over asking? I'm sitting here and I'm trying to figure out what kind of car do you have if you're getting a $600, $700 payment? That's almost that's almost buying a Tesla at this point. Man, you'd be surprised. It just, I, th I think I've seen it just like regular cars, like new Nissan Altimas, new, um, you know, Jeeps, you know. Stuff like that, man. Oh no, you have just <laughs> blown me with that one. Oh yeah, man, I man. did not, I did not expect this. That's crazy. Wow. I I really I didn't like really truly like uh 
Okay, so let's talk about that from a debt to income ratio. When you see that as a lender, how do you react to that as when it comes to helping that person purchase a home? So it just depends. Like um, if, you know, if somebody's not making that much money and they have a 700000 not $700,000, $700 car payment, it definitely kind of is like, it's kind of a bummer to me. It's like, dang, like they're. Uh, yeah, because that's fixed debt. There's a difference between fixed debt and what you actually have as fluctuating debt, right? Yeah. Yeah, because it's fixed for you know a good time period. It's not, it's not like a, a credit card that right. has a three thousand dollar balance, and if you have ten grand saved set aside, you can pay that off, right? Um, but when it comes to these like huge car payments, and and then when you deal with like a uh, lower income people, it's definitely a bummer because um that plays a huge factor in their debt to income ratio. If it's somebody you know um that makes a pretty good amount of money and they have a high car payment, you know, I could kind of live with that and help them out to get a, you know, the kind of home they want, but it definitely sucks seeing a $700 car payment. And, um, you have this guy that has a goal of getting like a $300,000, $250,000 house, but, um, half of his income is going to his car, you know, and that sucks. Wow. I wonder, you know what? I got to look into this. I got to look into the loans on vehicles lately. That is that has me like, oh, man, like taking a, a, a seat here for a second. I really am surprised by that number, but I can see it. I can see it because you can see how many people are like, OK, like I ain't seen young, young adults. And I'm not saying young adults don't have their life together at 22, 23 years old, pushing Teslas. And that has to be. On certain income fix, that has to be about a nine hundred dollar payment. Yeah, it, it's it's up there. I know that for a fact. Um, and then um, I have a buddy that works at a tow company, and uh, he recently said that you know repos are on the rise. He's been repoing more cars than ever before. So if you know that, kind of gives you an inside look of what's going on out there. It's like, are people actually making these payments? So what was going on with this um, with this lending in the automotive industry? You know. Well, I guess the lend. So you were, I would. So man, I don't know how we got on the tangent about automotive, but this is really a good story because, like, this is this is actually like right now. If you're watching this or you watch this later, this is definitely gonna be a clip because this is something that a lot of people are unaware of. I would imagine. But <laughs> I would say when you think about it, though, you have to look at it from a perspective of, let's say you own a house during the, during the pandemic, 2000, yeah, okay. 2020, 2021. If if you own a house and you heard the new the, the the news cycle and the Fed come out and say mortgage forbearance. You don't have to pay your lender. You're on your mortgage while this pandemic is a, in a state of emergency where you can just roll those payments to the back end of your loan. Could you see people taking the income that they would have been paying on a mortgage to go purchase a new vehicle? Hmm. So yeah. So I, I'm not I'm not too sure about that, but I think what uh what it played a big factor was those stimulus checks. You know. I believe the stimulus checks did pay a factor, but I'm thinking to about people who was like, okay, this $1,700 payment I don't need to make this month because the government told me they're going to put it on the back end of my loan. They're not going to, they're not going to make me foreclose on my house and they're not going to make me pay it right now. Like how many of those payments can I skip as well as getting those stimulus checks? Can I put this to a car? Okay. You see what I'm saying? And now I'll car and, but now in actuality, now I got to afford my mortgage and I got to afford the car payment that I didn't completely buy off. At the same time. Yeah, so I, I can definitely see that happening. You know, a lot of people try to take advantage of like the situation that they're in. And, you know, when, once you see, you know, you don't have to make a, you know, a, I guess a payment, you know, 
um, that money starts saving up. You can start saving up that money. You can see the things you can afford at the time. But, uh, you know, a lot of people don't take a step back and look at the greater picture of what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. And that's my point. Okay. So, man, let's talk about where are you, where, where are you saying, are, okay, let me start off. Let me ask this question. Now. I have seen where stats have came in, where mortgage applications have decreased, but now they're starting to actually taper back up and start seeing more increased focus on mortgage applications. Is that true? Um, I would say so on my end, <laughs> okay. because, um, because, uh, I'm like newer in the industry. Um, and you know, the first six months in the industry is definitely like hard because you don't have a lot of applications coming to you. You got to build up that pipe, that, um, that network that, that you have to build with real estate agents and referral partners and so on and so forth. But I've, uh, recently seen like, um, an increase in applications that I'm getting. So I don't know if it's from my hard work of just going out and meeting people and shaking hands or if, because the market's actually, you know, going upwards in a, you know, upwards in a trajectory. Yeah. So I would say, um, my, I guess the another a follow up question today is because you are putting in that work. This is how we got to this point right here. But we, you know, we met and yeah. then now we're like, hey, let's put this put this on tape so we can always have this conversation with people. I would say, what is okay? The better question I would say is average interest rate that you've been locking in or you've been actually proposing lately. What is that looking like? Uh, so as of lately, um, it just so when it comes to FHA and VA like government backed loans. Um, recently I've been able to, you know, don't have the APR on hand, so I don't want to like say, no, that's fine. Yeah, that's yeah. Fine. so like low, you know, high fives, I would say, um, okay. yeah, high fives. And then the month before then it was like in the sixes, you know, but we're a mortgage broker. I'm a broker. So I can like shop around with, you know, multiple, multiple lenders. And then we have, whole, we do, we deal with wholesale rates, which are usually cheaper than going to a, like a lender like a bank or um, I don't want to name any names out here, but you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Thank, thank you for the clarification. Right. Cause I know people are wondering, okay, what's the difference between a lender and a, and a mortgage broker and you, you're breaking that down for us. I appreciate that. And that is, that's a significant difference here. And that's, that sometimes can work in the favor of the client, right. For them to get a better rate than they possibly could at, at, a, at a local branch. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely could, you know, just, you know, having a, you know, half a percentage rate better, you know, would save the client like thousands and thousands of dollars, like throughout that 30 year span. And then uh, ultimately it comes down to their monthly payment as well. If they have a lower interest rate, they're going to have a lower monthly payment theoretically. Right. Right. Theoretically. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. Okay. So let's talk about exactly what we hear that a lot of people want to know from a mortgage broker. Okay. What, what, do you believe we're going to see in 2023 when it comes to interest rates in your opinion? In my opinion. Um, yeah. Cause uh, you know, they can't, like I said, nobody can predict what the market's going to do. Right. Um, there is this one guy, Barry, Barry Habib, who is pretty good at predicting what the market's going to do. And then a couple months ago, he actually predicted that interest rates will be in the fives by this year, a couple months ago. So um, if, if there's somebody you want to kind of get your prediction from, I would say go to Barry Habib, look him up. But in my personal opinion, I believe that, uh, yeah, interest rates are going to stay kind of in the fives, you know, uh, the first quarter, I believe, because, um, you know, everybody's talking about this like recession that we're in. A lot of people are cautious about spending money. And then also um, the recent, the consumer price index report came out where inflation is actually lower than expected. So, uh, you know, 
I believe interest rates are just going to stay consistent for a while because they're going to try to, you know, stimulate the market because people are cautious about spending money. And then during, um, you know, 2022 interest rate, interest rates were high. So a lot of people weren't actually out there purchasing homes. I believe, I believe there's something that I, I, if people have watched this channel for a while, it's something that I believe where I'm like, okay, we need to see uh, a little bit more data before the Fed gets off their tape. So right now people believe that the, I believe that people believe that the Fed will continue to do this, this 0.25 interest rate hike over the next couple of months. And I believe that they're actually right in a sense, but I think they're waiting uh, for what's I'm about to pull it up right now. I think they're waiting for more information and the information that I believe that they're waiting for is certain months that they want to see perform at the level that they want to see them perform at before they take their foot off the gas. Right. Uh, and I'm going to share those right now. Okay. So I believe that the Fed currently, in my belief, is waiting for the months of March, May, and June of next year to see where those, those inflation numbers come in at before they decide to take their foot off the gas on raising the federal fund rate. And the reason why I say that is because both of these three months here are over 1% in inflation growth. So they want to see okay. where those months come in that before they take their foot off the gas. And I think we may see my belief, only my belief, I believe we may see a hike of uh, interest rates go up around in the markets around this time. Is that, something that, is that that sound feasible in your, in your opinion? Off my take? Yeah. You know, in my, in my opinion, yeah, I think it kind of does make sense because those months, that's when, you know, home prices start to pick back up again. Okay. That's what, so, yeah, so I believe, you know, more buyers will be, you know, when it comes to real estate, a lot more people are going to be wanting to spend money. So, uh, you know how um, in 2021 or what was it 2020, whenever they lowered interest rates, right? Um, you know, they want to stimulate the market, you know? So I think they're trying to be cautious about doing that again, having lower rates during those times, because a lot of people are going to jump in buying real estate. So that's very possible for, you know, I believe that we could see that, you know, happen. So, yeah, I, so I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously I'm not, I'm not a mortgage lender and you know way more about this than I would, but I just feel like I got this vibe where 6%, if you were, if we we're lucky to be at 6% around that time, if, if things go the way that they should, and then it can decrease back down to five or whatever and stabilize there. But if they're around six already, it would probably make the Fed feel like they still have control of what's going on and not make them feel like they got to be reactionary and raise by 0.75 or 0.5 again, like they need to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could definitely see that happening. It, you know, it just, it just so hard with the mortgage industry. It's like, or, you know, you can't really predict what, the, what is going to happen in the market. That's what's so yeah. tough. Yeah. It's so yeah. tough. Right? I agree <laughs> yeah. with you. I agree with you. Okay. It's let's talk like about, a, okay. I'm sorry. I'm finish up. Yeah. Just like a guessing game. It's like, Oh, what's, what do you think rates are going to be? Cause I always get this, I get this question all the time. Oh, what are rates going to be? You know, a month, a month from now, two months from now. I was like, I was like, man, I can't predict that, man. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. And that's why I say to people that, so people ask me all the time, they say, I don't understand how uh, people are buying houses or how people are selling houses at this point. And people don't realize that interest rates has little to nothing to do with people buying or selling a house. I ask people this all the time. When they ask me this question, I hit them with another question. I say, why do you think people are buying or selling a house? They'd be like, well, because they just want to sell it or because they need equity or whatever. 
I'm like, those could be reasonable, uh, reasonable expectations. But really and truly, it comes down to life events or what really affect yeah. people when it comes to buying a home, selling a house or whatever. We don't really pay attention to why the need of buying or selling a home comes into play. But it's usually some type of life altering event that usually yeah. follows it. And no one cares about the interest rates at that point. Yeah, that is true. Uh, that's one main thing that I try talking to uh, a lot of like people in my inner circle and like, um, you know, a lot of these uh, potential buyers that I talk to is like, um, you can't time the market, you know, um, and the best time for you to buy a home is whenever you're ready. Right. Right. That's and you're going to figure that out. You're going to figure out the affordability at that point in time. Yeah. Like if you're able to afford it, you know, now and you can see yourself living there between five to eight years, because that's like the average um, person that spends in their home. And whenever they, you know, because after five to seven years, they like sell the home. So if you can see yourself living there five to seven years and you can afford buying a house and you think you're ready for it, then I, I would suggest, you know, go ahead and do it. But um, and then it comes down to like financial responsibility too. you know, um, don't get a crazy car payment. You know, I mean, get a car you can afford, right? Don't get a seven, eight hundred, nine hundred dollar car payment when when you make three thousand dollars a month. That's like a third of your income right there. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. So, like that is that is um, that's what I think people don't really pay attention to a lot. And as so, when they say, "Hey, why did you get into real estate?" I'm like, it's not about the market. It's about helping people find what they really need, adjusting to the life altering event that they've they've came across. That's really what it is. So um, let's talk about really and truly what let's talk about some of the services that you really provide clients and some of the things that you've been able to walk some clients through. You don't have to give us names or no details majorly like that, but just some of the things that you can actually do to help prospective clients that may want to actually seek out your services. Yeah. So I would say, you know, the most important thing when it comes to like home ownership is just, you know, figure out your financial situation because, you know, um, which sucks to say a lot of people don't understand, like, don't have a full grasp of their financial situation until um, they go to somebody for help or they go to financial advisor. And for a lot of people, the first time they meet with somebody in like the financial services is a mortgage mortgage loan officer or a mortgage broker, um, which is kind of crazy, you know, but uh, yeah, the services like I can provide for them is just, you know, take a deep dive into their finances, seeing what they can afford, how much purchasing power they have, what their debt to income ratio is and um if they need help getting there that's also part of my uh part of my plan as well like i would guide them oh tell them what to do like oh you need to eliminate these debts you might need to sell your car you might need to you know pull money from your uh you know your tsp or your roth ira to uh make this down payment just kind of advise them what to do really Got you, got you. So when it comes down to it, uh, are you seeing more VA applications come in or FHA applications come in? Or even so, conventional? Uh, so yeah, I mean it's just like a mixture. Um, I think like right now where I'm at in my uh, my career, you know, um, it kinda, I don't want to like it sucks to say this, but um, I'm kind of getting like the not the bottom of the barrel, but you know, for, first time a lot of first time home buyers. Right. You know, yeah. So a lot of first time home buyers. Um, I came across you know VA, uh, conventional. FHA and just, you know, people getting into their first home. So right. uh, that's, so that's what I've been seeing. Just, just a mixture of people in our area, you know, uh, there is a lot of VA buyers cause you know, we're in a military town. So, yeah. So, I mean, so like, uh, okay. So 
it's a it's the VA product. It's a great product. I think for anybody who's the first time home buyer, especially if you're in the military and you're trying to get into a home, I think the VA product is is ideal. You get zero down. You don't have, you have the funding fee, obviously, but you don't have to pay mortgage insurance on it. And you basically don't have to bring, you basically just got to make an earnest money deposit and the hope. And then yeah. you get seller concessions. You can basically walk <laughs> into the house for no money at all, really and truly yeah. at the end of the day. Right. So okay. like in my, yeah. like, for example, my house in San Diego, um, I mean, sure, man, I was what, like E6 at that point in time. I was the E6 in San Diego. I, I walked into a house in, in, in right out 20 minutes away from downtown San Diego, no money down. That's like, crazy. Yeah, three hundred four thousand. What year was that? Two thousand fourteen. Right. More, uh, what, more uh, rates back then. <laughs> uh, my rate back then was three seven five. Three seven five. And the and, and the seller paid closing costs. And and I walked into that the day the first day I moved into the house, I opened the mailbox up. I had a check back in escrow for like another eighteen hundred dollars because I overpaid off my earnest money deposit. Damn. Like the craziest thing ever, <laughs> right? Craziest thing ever. So this is a great product. Like, so I'm an advocate for the product because I see it. But you do you, you know, I think when I started thinking about real estate, though, uh, as a realtor, I seen a lot of homes avoid VA a lot. Really? What what, it, what would be some of your reasons why that would be the case, why they would want to avoid a VA applicant? You know, because, uh, you know, you can't do a, you know, a, an appraisal waiver on a VA loan. Boom. There you go. My man. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly it. Right. And that's what they, and I think now that we're getting back into this market, any buyer that shows up now has a willing participating chance of actually earning the business. But beforehand, yeah. it was crazy. You like, you had to, you had to be like overqualified on the VA loan for somebody to be like, okay, I'll deal with you at that point. Yeah. And that kind of, and that kind of sucks because you know, um, whenever you're like a service member, you're like going to a different duty station and you're trying to buy a home. And, um, I mean, I, it's it just coming from like my heart, you know, like if somebody was like, let's say I was trying to sell my home and I had options between like a VA and a conventional loan, I'll probably go with the VA loan because you know, Oh, this dude was in the military. He's probably coming over here because he needs a place to stay with his family. That's what, that's my thought process. But a lot of people don't think like that. I bought this house that we're in now in June in, in June. We bought this, we put the offer in on this house in June, moved in in July. And I think the only reason we got this house, we had 14, we had 14 different offers on. I had a good agent. I want, I want, I'm a realtor, but I before this before I became qualified, we were certified. But when I got my license, I was getting my license around the same time. So I was using the agent. Okay. And the agent I had, he's he was good. He's military, he was a military veteran as well, too. Very yeah. good. But uh it was 14 offers in on this house. And we want nothing. And I, I don't know how many VA applicants it had, but we did have to pay over an appraisal price to get it. But luckily, the appraisal came in underneath the asking and we, we closed yeah. out very well. But um, it was obviously I was like, man, like, I think if it wasn't being the person who had this house before us was a veteran. I don't think we would have got this house. Really? I don't think so. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, I don't think so. Because we had put other offers in on home. We had put four offers in before we got this offer accepted and on different houses and each one of those houses either we got outbid it by price or over appraisal or they just went with a, a different loan type i think got it yeah, yeah. that's what kind of i was in the same scenario uh, last year when i bought my home um because we put in an offer at 238 but we did the escalation clause up to two hundred forty eight thousand dollars. and i remember whenever they did their appraisal i was like hoping that they appraised <laughs> at 248 
because I didn't want to cough out 10 grand. Oh, man. I mean, I was going to do, you know, I was ready to bite the bullet. Right. You know? <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, I was I was so lucky when they appraised out at 248 and, um, yeah, no money out of my pocket. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. That bad, that bad boy came in under. I was like, oh, God, it came in under. And I was like, that, and it came in significantly under, too. So I was like, wow. So I was like, I don't even know how we got to the number that we got to, but. When we, but luckily, it worked out of my favor for the payment, obviously, because the payment came down. I just had to pay the yeah. money over top. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it is what it is. But, yeah, so that's what I, I was wondering is, like, we know, like, different loans. So you're seeing those loan types come back into the market, and they're starting to get some reasonable business now. Yeah, I would say, like, my uh, my broker owner, uh, David Hines, he does a lot of VA loans. That's I feel like that's mostly all he does, really. But, yeah, and for, for me, I got I got a mixture going on. I got VA, I got FHA, I got conventional. You know, it mm. just, uh, yeah. So, okay, let's talk about uh, seller concessions. What are some of the things that you've seen with seller concessions that, that people should be aware of as they're trying to be uh, in the market to purchase a home? Yeah, so when it comes to what I would say, um, if you're a VA buyer, you know, you got that 0% down program, you should take advantage of the market right now because you're seeing, especially right now during the winter, because uh, during the winter is like um, the cheapest time, the cheapest time to purchase home, they say. Um, so you can actually take advantage of that because sellers are more motivated to sell during the winter and you can, you know, partner up with a good real estate agent to get you that 3%, um, closing costs covered. So in theory, you can basically go into home zero down, you know, but yeah, just take advantage of the market, take advantage of what, um, what cards you're dealt really. Man, Oscar, look, I think that you are spot on with that. And I think that this conversation has uh, probably garnered a lot of questions uh, that's going to come up from this and things that we may need to have different discussions on. I think that, we, like I said, we're going to figure out a, a platform for this to be a continuous conversation between you and I uh, to get more people involved in the conversation and understand what uh, what we both provide as services for them and, and how we can actually help them navigate this market when it comes to purchasing a home. Uh, where can people find you if they want to get yeah. in contact with you? Yeah, if you want to get in contact with me, you can go on uh, Instagram and TikTok at Oscar the Loan Officer. I post content there for uh, real estate agents and buyers. And um, there should be a link to like a website. It has my phone number displayed on there. You can just text me, call me, <laughs> you know. Got you. So, look, Oscar, I appreciate you for joining me uh, for the conversation today. And we're definitely going to get together again and do this again. Maybe we can have a conversation over some interest rates that comes out uh, up over next week or so and maybe see what we got from there and how we can help people then. Yeah, it sounds good, Craig. I'm excited for it. Hey, no problem. Man. Hey, I'll, I'll catch you in the next episode. Hey, stand by for <laughs> me. All right, man.